WTBRFM, Pittsfield. Welcome to Ham on WTBR, the all-inclusive ham radio show for hams and non-hams alike. Be part of the show. Contact us on www.facebook.com slash hamjamtv. And now the hosts of the show, Peter and Jessica. Ham on. That must be us. You think? Welcome, WTBR fans. Cameron is on welcome, the welcome. air. Berkshire County, Pittsfield, Massachusetts. How's yes. everybody doing? Do we survive? I, I don't know. It's Wednesday again. Yes, isn't that? yes, I know it's Wednesday again. So with the continuing story, no, it's a, we'll get we'll get to the continuing story of, of what's happening on the repeater. But um, we have a full show today. W1HAI is on the phone, Joe Weiss, and he's got a whole bunch of stuff that we're going to talk about. So we're going to get to him shortly. Mm. He's he's, lis- yeah. he's listening to us on the on the phone. So the continuing story with what's happening with HHTN and K1FFK. What is the continuing story? The links are up. The links are sounding good. I give credit to Joe. I give credit to Dave, W1TTT. They have been working tirelessly to keep these links up on the air. And and Triple T has actually got a Raspberry Pi that he's programming. Don't you have one of those? Yeah, (laughs) I do. (laughs) It's sitting around doing nothing because I really don't do DMR a lot anymore. Yeah, I, I, I remember... Isn't it cool that they that they put our intro on the board over yeah, here? Yeah, so it's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> we, we, yeah, we, I remember we, that you have one. That's why I know what a Raspberry Pi we've is. We've grown up. We actually have our intro on the computer now. <laughs> yes, I, I have one, but that's going to go up soon. So everything is sounding good. So HHTN, yes. Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 10 p.m. And for people local. that don't know what HHTN stands for. The heavy Hitters Traffic Net. Thank you. And our guest, Joe Weiss, is actually the net manager for the heavy hairs traffic net so yes he's uh, he's got a lot on his plate as, as you're going to hear here in a few moments yeah he's got a lot on his plate but hhtn sunday monday wednesday and friday sunday monday wednesday and friday on any on if you're on echo link n-e-w-e-n-g-2 yeah Yes, one of the many nets that you have during the day on Wednesday. Yeah, seriously. But <laughs> but you can you can click into us a bunch of ways. Um, uh, yeah. You can go in through Echolink, N-E-W-E-N-G-2. You can go in through K1FFK Echolink. Or if you're near the repeater and our four-state marathon that this repeater can do, you can get in through K1FFK. Yeah. And we have the, the east-west connection going on. Yes. So you have news. So you have this. Of course. It I get thrown. Of course. Three minutes in and I get thrown under the bus. What else is now? That's our news bumper now. You think? They leave it up here. I get to, I get to play with it. Go ahead. You have news. 
Uh, new form of there's a new form of space weather. Space weather. Wait, wait. We actually have space weather. We have a new form of space. We weather. have a new form, like the old forms of space weather. What is the new form of space weather? New form of space. I'm intrigued, as, as well as our listeners are intrigued. <laughs> the new form of space weather is electrified Earth wind. Okay. How does electrified Earth wind? Uh, I guess you're going to tell us. Yes. Ha- work with the new form of space weather. Electrified uh, electrified Earth wind is streaming is streaming through space much like the solar much like solar wind but different. Much like solar wind but different. Uh, a new study published by uh, astrophysics in the astrophysics journal letters report that Earth weather might actually make water on the moon. But yeah, it's kind of like a solar, it's kind of like a solar wind, in a way. <laughs> but it mostly... Picture, if you will. Yes, but it mostly affects the moon, so it's actually like a lunar, kind of like a lunar wind. And it actually makes water on the moon. It's kind of like our own wind, where there's like wind gusts okay. and it drives. Okay, so how, how, th- how does this affect... Clouds and stuff. How does this affect our lowly little amateur radio operators? Does it do. say? No. Or is it just part of something we're going to start measuring now? It's, some, it's something you're going to start measuring now. Oh, so, so, so now when we do a space weather report, we're going to have to include earth wind. Yes, electrified earth wind. Electrified earth wind. Does it yes. say what electrified earth wind is? I missed no. that. And, and it's kind of like our, well, actually, yeah, it did. And it goes that it's, um, it says it's much like our own. It is from, you know, it is from our planet. It's our natural wind. But apparently our, but apparently Earth's wind affects space. Space. Spice. Spice. Why are the aliens out of space? Is the aliens from outer space? Okay. Uh, Ham Suitsat Ham Radio Suitsat returns in short horror film. Inspired by true events. Uh, Okay, wait a minute. Suitsat loses its innocence in the new video short sci-fi thriller Decommission. Inspired Mm. by true events, the video short resurrects the 2006 spacesuit satellite that transmitted messages on two meters as it circled Earth. The original Suitsat 1 project conceived by amateur radio... Uh, on the International Space Station team repurposed a decommissioned Russian Orlean spacesuit to function as a free-floating amateur radio transmit-only satellite. <laughs> wow. Eris designed and built an antenna and radio gear that got approved for installation into the suit, and cosmonaut Val- Valerie Tokokov, I just hacked that, and Commander Bill McArthur. Are you sure K- it's not pronounced Tekorka? Uh, T-O-K-A-R-E-F. Go for it. Tekorkov. Okay, we'll, we'll give that to you. And Commander Bill McArthur, Casey, this is why I don't live in Russia, KC-5ACR, <laughs> put SuitSat-1 into orbit at the start of a spacewalk. 
Eris U.S. Delegate for ARRL, Rosalie White, K1STO, recounted SuitSat1 transmitted a voice message. This is SuitSat1, RS0RS. In several languages, plus telemetry and slow scan TV, image on an eight-minute cycle as it orbited Earth. Did you have a question? No, it was more of a statement of telemetry. Okay. Tells its position, its heartbeat, stuff like that. Really? In the six minutes. Those things have a heartbeat? Well, yeah. That's scary in and of itself. Oscars do. That's kind of scary in and of itself. Tell you where it is, what the satellite's doing in orbit. Um, if you can copy Morse code quick enough, because they it sends out in short bursts, so like things like every ten minutes or something, they send out the. And telemetry. why do you have the hiccups? What is the, what is up with you? Uh, I don't know. In a six-minute film, a suit sat returns in the future to haunt International Space Station Commander Diaz, played by Joey Valera. Diaz is seen taking photos from inside an observation dome on the ISS when he spies some distant space debris and radios Houston to express concern. Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> if there was any cause for alarm, you know, we'd love it. We'd, we'd see it too, Houston assures. As the object closes in, an increasingly anxious Diaz re- recognizes the debris as SuitSat. This is SuitSat, comes with voice on the ham radio. Houston, you're not going to believe this. We're picking up transmissions on the ham radio that sound identical to SuitSat experiment. He tells a skeptical mission control, it's SuitSat. I'm seeing SuitSat. How many times are we going to put SuitSat in this thing? Yeah, seriously. SuitSat re-entered the atmosphere and burned up years ago. Mission control responds, it's impossible. Decommissioned was produced by Perception Pictures and directed by Australian filmmaker Josh Tanner. He told Gizmodo that he produced a video using the Unreal Engine technology that the Mandalorian used, a bay old-school rear projection as opposed to fancy LED wall tech they used. Uh, Unreal Engine, does that sound familiar? Yes, yes, it does, being gaming. Yes. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm a gamer. When you hear Unreal Engine, all you can think about is, um, like, like, certain MMOs have it. Um, most of the time it's for, um, Elder Scrolls and stuff like that. Those kind of games. What? So here's what we think of Suitsat. Impressive. Almost impressive. That's what we think of Suitsat. How many times are we going to say Suitsat? Yeah, how many times? Word of the day for Hamon and WTBR-FM is Suitsat. Uh, don't no no no. You, did we count how many were in that story? No, I didn't. I lost. <laughs> new drinking game. <laughs> new drink. New drinking game for ham radio operators <laughs> is read this story. Re re hear this story on the podcast or when we p- replay it on. PC TV and count how many times we say suit sat in the story. Every time you have to say suit sat, <laughs> you have to take a drink. <laughs> take a drink of your coffee. Take a drink of your coffee. You'll be high on caffeine by the end of the article. <laughs> There's a morning game to talk about the more at the morning breakfast table. Suit sat. <laughs> Seriously. What happened to all the coffee? 
He drank about guys a gallon. The, guys off the wall in the corner and shaking and having convulsions. <laughs> what happened? He had to say suit sat 15 <laughs> times. You got any more stories before we go to break? Uh, yeah. Joe's got to be on the phone laughing at all this. Probably. Uh, uh, I know I, they're laughing in the back. <laughs> I can he- I can hear the laughter in the back of the studio. I um I have a couple. Uh, do you want me to do one? No, I want to see her for dead air for three minutes. Yes, oh, I you're funny. Do one. You're funny. You're very very funny. Uh, capturing... We have a program dead air for three minutes. It's, it's supposed to be there. Don't worry about it. Yes. Cap, uh, cap three Q, uh, CubeSat launch. No, no, that's up with the CubeSat. Cube we started sat. with SuitSat, now we're in the CubeSat. Yes. I, I, I have to be People drinking first. their coffee and doing the drinking game are going to be off the walls mm-hmm. here by the end of this hour. <laughs> the, university, the University of Louisiana at Lafayette stu, uh, student built Cap 3 satellite. Cap 3 satellite was launched. On, Jan- on January 17th, so it was lunch day. Um, a January was last month. This is February. Okay, last month. It's um, a week uh, to my birthday. I'm like half awake, dude. Leave me alone. Suit sat. Suit sat. <laughs> the caffeine hasn't hit me yet. Give me a minute. Suit sat. A, a 1U CubeSat. Cape 3 includes a digipeter and experimental UHF adapted radio and X, AX25 uh, telemetry download. Downlink has coordinated, uh, has been coordinated on 145.8. 25 megahertz and a 1k 1k2 frequency shift king uh downlink has been coordinated on 40 435.325 megahertz which which may burst up to 100 kilohertz bandwidth according to the I um I A R U amateur satellite coordination page. Uh, the came Cape three is a third is the third cube satellite in the Cape series, obviously with the name of Cape three. Uh, the primary education mission is to allow grade schooler uh grade school. Classrooms to access the smartphone cu- uh, CubeSat. <coughs> Pardon me. Classroom and that run. And run interactive experiments through the experimental smartphone ground station grid. I can burp if I want to. I'm allowed. Okay, just. Are, are you done now? No. Yes. No. The, uh, the secondary mission is to perform. Scientific experiments involving radiation detection and take pictures of Earth. The solar-powered spacecraft was created by the University of Louisiana Lafayette Cave uh, Lafayette Cave Satellite System, and it was launched with nine other CubeSats as a part of NASA's educa- 
NASA's educational launch of nanosatellite program and a Virgin Orbit launcher, launcher one rocket attached beneath, beneath the wing of a custom Boeing 747 was dropped high above the uh, Pacific Ocean. It climbed about 225 miles above the Earth and ejected the satellite. It's uh, part of the STEM program and they are named for the university's uh, Cajun, Cajun Advanced uh, PICO Satellite Experiment Program, hence the name CAPE. Cool. All right, we are going to go to the break. And when we come back from the break, when we come back from we'll the break. have Joe Weiss here, W1HAI, yes. and we'll also give you the programming notes for the next month and a half. Because <laughs> <laughs> yes. we have some nice stuff programmed in here. Yes, nice yes, we do. <coughs> in fact, Joe booked half my half my shows for me. So yes, yes, I did. Um, we will. I don't know what we're going to do here. Uh, uh, but we will be back after the break. Impressive, almost impressive. Hello, my name is Sergeant Mark Madalena with the Pittsfield Police Department. As you know, decisions we make every day can affect us for the rest of our lives. What you may not realize is that you are 23% more likely to be involved in a collision while you are texting and driving. That means texting and driving makes you 23 times more likely to cause a crash. Every day in the United States, 9 people are killed and more than 1,000 are injured as a result of a crash caused by a distracted driver. Remember, put down the phone and arrive alive. Don't text and drive. This message is brought to you by the Pittsburgh Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM. Well, hello! Hi! Wow, you are looking fabulous! Is that a Gucci handbag? And your shoes are gorgeous. They're Italian leather. This skirt is Chanel, and I treated myself to this Tiffany bracelet, too. Did you get a raise? I wish. No, I got all this and more at Catwalk Boutique. Catwalk Boutique? That's right. I got the Gucci handbag and Chanel skirt at the Great Barrington location, and the Tiffany bracelet at the Lennox store. Well, you have to tell me about Catwalk Boutique. You will love it. It's an upscale resale shop for women. They have something for everyone from casual to designer and everything in the shop is donated best of all 100 percent of the proceeds benefit berkshire humane society (laughs) i think mitzi approves i have to check it out i'm headed there now want to join the shop is dog friendly so mitzi can come too oh Oh, absolutely catwalk boutique the more you shop the more animals you save find us on facebook instagram and at catwalkboutique.org WTBR radar weather for the Pittsfield area. Winter storm watch in effect from Thursday afternoon through Friday evening. Today, sunny. Much colder with highs in the lower 20s. Northwest wind 10 to 15 miles per hour. Wind chill values as low as 7 below this morning. Tonight, partly cloudy in the evening, then becoming mostly cloudy. Cold with lows around 8 above. Northwest wind 5 to 10 miles per hour. Wind chill values as low as zero. Weather forecasts for WTBR-FM are provided by the National Weather Service. WTBR-FM is listener-supported radio. That means we depend on your donations to keep the station on the air. All the local content and the music you love requires your support. You can make your donation today at WTBRFM.com by calling 445-4234 or stopping by our studio at 4 Federico Drive in Pittsfield. You'll be glad you did. Pittsfield Community Radio, 
for the love of radio. Is it possible to two Utes? Uh, uh, to what? What? Did you say Utes? Yeah, two Utes. What is a Ute? <laughs> W-T-B-R. And yeah, what is a Ute? What is a Ute? And we're back on the air. W here on WTBR-FM. On the phone, hopefully still here listening to the show, is Joe Weiss, W1HAI, who's been here for the second time now. He's getting yes. he's getting school, old school on this. Joe, yes. welcome back to WTBR-FM. Thank you very much, and the love of radio, I love that uh, phrase. Uh, good morning to you, Peter and uh, Jessica. Great to be back on. You invited me back after that first time, so uh, something. Yeah, good morning, you, sir. Yeah, you did something right, and we invited you back. Last time we were here, we were discussing the HHTN, but this yes. time uh, you have something going on with W1DAN, who will be on this show in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, so why don't you let's start right off because we got a lot to talk about. Yes. So uh, well, thank you very much, and it's great to be back. Um, first of all, thanks for the plug on uh, the heavy hitters traffic net and uh, Dave's efforts. Yes, uh, great job he is doing. It's challenging, but we're working things out. And of course, your efforts, uh, Peter, as well as Matt, James, and Scott for being net controls and so many people to support uh, what we're doing, and we love having Greylock on the system and that west-to-east connection, so it's, uh, it's great. We thought we'd uh, take, kind of take a step back. I know you've had a number of programs uh, coming and ha in the past, over the past year and a half, on um, ham radio and various aspects, but it's uh, also interesting to maybe take a step back and look at the people that we are standing on the shoulders of to make all of this uh, happen. And, of course, um, we go way back to the 1830s and 40s in regards to uh, wired telegraph lines, which provided um, telegrams and other kinds of information, uh, primarily for railroads and, and other uh, emphasis, including... Um, uh, President Lincoln back in the 1860s, who spent a lot of time across from the White House at the Telegram office, because that's where reports would come in, of course, uh, regarding the Civil War and, and the fronts there that um, were going on. But moving up to the um, 1890s and so forth, um, the experiments with wireless uh, radio uh, began to happen and uh, that is uh, very important. And Marconi, among others, uh, Marconi adapted the Hertz's uh, theory that uh, radio waves existed and demonstrated for uh, British officials in 1896 communicating a whopping two miles uh, to uh, be able to demonstrate that this could happen. And in 1901, uh, Marconi uh, did a transatlantic uh, communications uh, from um, across the ocean to here. And uh, Pheasanton in Brant Rock in Marshfield, Mass., on Christmas Eve of uh, eight, 1906, uh, had voice transmission that was going on uh, for the first time. So there's a lot of history that uh, comes through Massachusetts, as well as the Northeast, and uh, back to um, England and all for transmissions uh, that, uh, that go on. Um, 
the first wireless ham radio club was at Columbia University, and uh, using uh, and they used at that time the first hams used their initials for their ID or their call sign, um, and where the word ham came from is reported to be uh, these Harvard Radio Club students uh, with the last names of Hyman, Elmi, and Murray. So H-A-M. Nice. That uh, came from. I was always wondering. Yeah. uh, It's uh, really um, one of those uh, types of things that caught on, and um, amateur radio and, of course, ham radio now get used interchangeably uh, throughout the uh, throughout the decades, but um, in 1912 there was uh, the um, some structural uh, issues that came about after the sinking of the Titanic. And I know on a couple of programs ago you were talking about the Titanic and uh, some of these issues. And interestingly enough, um, the radio operators on the Titanic as you may well know, uh, were not employees of the ship themselves, but were Marconi employees. And they uh, were operating the equipment that was Marconi's equipment. Uh, And when they started to take on water, they started to send CQD for CQ, calling anybody with the letter D for disaster. And then they would use SOS as well, uh, oh, wow. because CQD was the Marconi internal, or that's what they designated for emergencies within the company. But SOS, of course, uh, was more of uh, known across various ship lines and, and other aspects. So when the Carpathia uh, radio operator uh, heard this, obviously brought it to the bridge, and uh, the captain uh, was able to make provisions to move at a much faster rate toward where the Titanic was located. And uh, they were able to rescue 710 survivors um, with um, with that response. There was another ship that was actually closer, but their radio operator was off duty or sleeping at the time, um, and that led to the 1912 um, Act, where SOS became the only distress signal that was to be used and recognized, and uh, that uh, two operators were required on these ships, depending on how many uh, passengers one had. And they also oh, wow. set up some sort of a bell system so that um, when they heard an SOS signal of sorts, um, they were able to automatically send bell uh, sounds up to the bridge, to the captain's um, quarters, and also to the radio operator's quarters themselves. So um, a lot of things came out of the 1912 governmental reaction to the Titanic, including silence every 15 minutes. It it then became 30 minutes, but uh, what would happen is um, uh, they would uh, be silence on all the call channel uh, to listen for any sort of uh, SOS or emergency sequence, and um, that would start with four 
uh, dashes um, from Morse code before the SOS was to be sent, which would trigger some of these uh, these warnings. So interesting how um, how things came about. Um, the next major thing that happened in terms of ham radio, and of course all of these historic things um, were done by people who were amateur radio operators, became amateur radio operators, and even beyond uh, became in broadcasting uh, amateur operators themselves. In um, 1914, in Hartford, Connecticut, uh, the ham of Hermie, um, Hiram Pacey uh, Maxim, um, who was one WH and then became one AW, um, thought, you know, we could get information sent across the country by relaying it from one station to the next to the next and, and be able to carry even further distances than what one station could otherwise provide on the frequencies that were allocated. And um, so he started the American Radio Relay League, Relay being an important element at that point in 1914. And um, that began, of course, in Hartford, uh, where he resided, and, uh, of course, now in Newington, Connecticut. And in 1915, QST, the ham radio uh, magazine, started as well. So um, it's interesting how it, uh, how it all worked. Um, of course, during World War I, hymns uh, were silenced uh, due to the war effort, and um, they um, also, again, were very important when broadcast stations were started up. Um, and the first uh, station in New England was in Springfield at WBZA oh, wow. at the location of um, the um, Westinghouse operation there. And then came to Boston as WBZ a little thereafter. So a lot of people think it started in Boston, but nope, started in Western Mass. In terms of Massachusetts, KDKA and Pittsburgh and others were ahead of that. But um, the first uh, station in uh, New England was WBZA in Springfield. So, Oh, wow. Um, that uh, that is pretty interesting, isn't it? Yep. It is. um, awesome. One other thing, I mean, 1934, of course, the FCC was started, and the government uh, changed its uh, policies and added to that, uh, realizing, of course, that broadcast stations were all over the country and were gaining at such a great rate on AM, and even FM was starting to be experimented a little bit later with uh, with that for uh, future operation. And um, but in World War II. Uh, hams uh, were invaluable in first the um, um, the the aspects of uh, civil defense at, at the time um, and uh, so forth, and that was uh, very important, as well as uh, radio silence uh, and helping out. There were about 60,000 hams in World War II, and 25,000 went off to fight in the war, roughly. And about 25,000 were involved in various telecommunications uh, aspects, as well uh, as training and uh, communications and supporting the war here at home. So out of the 60,000, about 50,000 were participating in some way, shape, or form during the war. 
Um, the other thing that happened of kind of interest um, is that in Poland, when the Germans occupied Poland, there was a priest, Father Maximilian Kolb. He was arrested in 1941 because the Germans believed his ham station was providing espionage and other information to the enemy, quote-unquote. Oh, wow. He went, he was sent to Auschwitz, um, and ten prisoners after he got there escaped from Auschwitz. The Germans, wanting to make this, um, these escapes, you know, uh, uh, retribution for these escapes, mm. said that there would be ten prisoners killed because there were 10 prisoners who escaped. And Father Kolb volunteered to take the place of one of those 10 people. And in 1982, Pope John Paul II canonized Father Kolb as a saint, declaring him a martyr of charity. And today, Saint Maximilian Kolb is considered the patron saint of ham radio operators around the world. Oh, wow. oh there, there you go. I didn't know that. So I did not know that. I, I have a question, and we and we haven't really talked about this at all on the show ever. But you did mention calling frequencies, and I know every band has calling frequencies. Was that something yeah. that came out of 1912? And how's that work? And you wanted to elaborate on that? Uh, sure. Um, basically, of course, in, in, in those early days, um, there was some thought for a while that hymns would really never, it would never be popular because everything was kind of, you know, jammed up onto very few frequencies because they just didn't know at that point uh, how far transmissions were to operate. And a lot of the focus, of course, was on uh, getting transmissions across water from the United States to uh, Britain and Europe and you know, there was so much focus on that, and so the lower frequencies were really focused on for um, getting transmissions for longer distances. And um, so everything was kind of crowded uh, until they were able to allocate um, various frequencies for various things, but that really took quite a while. But these hams, who, again, many of them got involved in engineering broadcast stations, putting up towers, um, working um, in various capacities of uh, engineering and building and manufacturing, um, all were very career-minded and kept uh, going with that. But, yes, some of the frequencies, especially, sh um, you know, the ship-to-shore as we know it, uh, frequencies and still to this day are uh, designated for emergency calls only. And hams were able to pick up on those notions and others and have, for example, on two meters, which I know a lot of people listen to and are involved with, the 146.52 frequency is theoretically a call frequency. And also on um, DMR for the digital side of things, uh, there is a New England wide, which is technically a call frequency. And what you're supposed to do is make a call, make contact, and then move somewhere else or have a very short 
contact if you are going to stay on that frequency so you don't tie it up for uh, others to, to, to use it. And you're, listen- oh, wow. and you're listening to Ham on and WTBRFM. Our guest is Joe Ice, W1HAI. I hope I got his last name right because we never use it yep. when we talk. You uh, do, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Thank you. Pe- people think that, that this hobby doesn't exist. And before I finish this question, I did some research. Do you know that we are the only ham radio show on broadcast FM? Really? Ah, just, no, I didn't. Just, um, I, 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 as far as I could find out, and I did some research, that we are the only ham radio show on broadcast FM. Um, <laughs> and, and, and so this, goes, this segues into our next point. Um, people think that this hobby doesn't exist anymore outside of this show. Uh, uh, tell, us, tell us why it's still, it's still here and why it keeps going. Right, exactly. Well, a lot of things uh, certainly that uh, have uh, led up to this, but um, yes, indeed. Well, really, you know, when you think about it, one's cell phone is a glorified radio. I mean, it is sending out signals all the time, uh, whether you're on it or not, whether you're using it for radio or for checking emails or whatever, it's uh, sending, you know, digital information out or voice communication or whatever. Uh, to um, to cell sites nearby, and those cell sites then distributed elsewhere, kind of like a repeater. You know, you transmit into a repeater, it goes up to a site, uh, it, it's received up there, and it retransmits it back out to a much wider area than you may be able to do on your own. It's kind of like the relay system again. Uh, so we've come a long way, but yet in some ways we haven't. Um, so a lot of people think that uh, ham radio has... Uh, kind of moved on, and it's like, oh, I didn't even know that existed any longer. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, radio is still being used. It's in everyone's cars. It's uh, People listen to it. Uh, people call into talk shows. There's a lot of participation in radio overall, including WTBR here and uh, other great programs like uh, Beatles Forever on Mondays. Yes. Um, but uh, <laughs> it's, it, it's a great medium, and you're able to use your imagination with the medium. You're able to... Uh, take communications and talk to people. You're able to use it for emergencies, portability. There are so many aspects to it uh, that, again, cell phones and other technologies have kind of latched on. And uh, now, of course, the uh, spectrum of frequencies that's being used uh, are being used more and more every day by uh, cell phone operators who uh, want to uh, you know, see, the, see the advantages of continuing this. Exactly. And so. yes, uh, and, and of course you have to be licensed, which means you have to take yes. a test. You have to study yes. for a test. And actually, programming note coming up, um, St. Patrick's Day, Ooh. we're going to have somebody on the phone. It's going to be six a.m. in the morning in Los Angeles from mm. L.A. from the Greater Los Angeles Amateur Radio oh, Club. Oh my goodness! And she's going to talk about uh, the remote sessions that are going there on. Been, there better be some coffee going on in her house because if you're waking me up at six a.m., there better be coffee. I, I was surprised she said she'd do it. <laughs> so, Joe, tell us about studying for it and taking the exams <laughs> and how difficult is it and how is it administered? And because I keep trying to push this point home, but they may be tired of me talking about this so <laughs> <laughs> oh, i just lost you here hello 
Yeah, I just lost you for a sec there. Oh uh, yeah, how about uh, about ta- taking and administering the exams and taking the okay. tests and 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 all that good stuff? Because I talk about it regularly on the show, but they might be tired of me talking about it. Might want to hear a fresh <laughs> voice talk about it. <laughs> it's uh, it is quite and and on St. Patrick's Day, you know, they might have to have uh, green tea or uh, green coffee or something along that line to go with that date. But um, yes. at any rate, uh, it is. Um, First of all, uh, people still think that uh, Morse code is a requirement for the license, and I know you've talked on this many a time, and it is not, um, which um, a lot of us may have some feelings about, but uh, in terms of uh, people thinking, well, I can't get my license because I don't want to, or I have difficulty in learning the Morse code, or I tried once when I was in Boy Scouts or something. Um, But uh, the idea is that uh, you no longer need it uh, to uh, get a test, uh, to take a test, and to pass a test. Uh, it's basically a pool of questions, and uh, you start off uh, with the uh, basics and learning uh, basic electronics, or maybe you know that from being an engineer or other kinds of aspects, and uh, you're able to uh, learn some of the regulations. And there's a pool of questions and a lot of online and through the ARRL .org website uh, and others, uh, videos and so forth, to be able to prepare for taking this exam. And the pool of questions is there. There are a couple of hundred questions, and, you know, asking 50 at a time out of those couple of hundred or more, you're able to uh, learn the information and be able to go in and take, and you'll see the exact questions that are in that pool on your exam. So, it's a pretty uh, simple operation, and of course, with volunteer examiners like Peter and others who uh, do this in local communities, you don't have to do what uh, what I had to do back in the '60s, and that's go into the uh, FCC, which had an office in Boston at the Custom House, and uh, take an exam or uh, one that's uh, closer there, and or used to be in uh, Albany. Um, so you'd have to travel some distance to be able to take it in front of an examiner at the time. And it's uh, great to have that kind of local aspect. So it's, um, it's, it's better, it's easier. There are other exams that allow you to talk on different frequencies uh, that uh, take a little more uh, theory and practice and some skill. But it's all very doable, and uh, you're able to do it at your own time speed in terms of when you want to take it uh, in regards to how long you study for and how you're prepared for it. Then you can go back and take it again if you uh, are not successful or when you want to take the next one. So, so, so a lot of good opportunities there. So my daughter is the non-ham, yes. who's been doing this show with me for a year and a yeah. half, actually has a question. Take it away, <laughs> Jess. Um, out, of all the hi- out of all the history and modes and everything, what what is your favorite and what keeps you drawn to ham radio? Ah, <laughs> great question. Um, the thing that uh, draws me the most, I think, is bringing people together, and that can be through a number of different uh, ways, but I feel it is a very social hobby. We're kind of alone but together. Uh, you know, we're all in our own stations and that kind of thing, and during these COVID days, um, in some ways that is an advantage, obviously, over the circumstances. But um, And there's been a spike, by the way, in people who are interested getting their license and and being able to get on the air for people who now have the time who didn't before or realize the advantage of 
uh, amateur radio. Um, so for me, it's bringing people together, whether that's through nets uh, like the Heavy Hitters Traffic Net, whether it's uh, a Saturday night uh, net that we uh, have here in on 10 meters, uh, we call it the Saturday night special. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it's uh, chatting about uh, various things and a question of the week. It is uh, other kinds of nets that are out there for um, uh, maritime mobile operations, for marine operations, for various groups that meet, uh, and uh, so forth. And it, it's, it's like a glorified meetup, and that's the kind of thing that gives me the most uh, joy. Whereas so many other people might have other aspects that are just as important, talking around the world, contesting. Um, there are so many choices in ham radio these days. That's why the idea of does ham radio still exist is, is so you know off the mark, because there's so much that we can do with the Internet and uh, over the air and so on. And you're listening to exactly. Ham on, on WTBR-FM. This is, we've got Joe Weiss on the phone, and W1HAI, who's, yes. who's uh, teaching us awesome stuff here today. And, and, so, the thi- and the thing about, you know, you can go on and study and everything. I actually want to have, I'm not even a ham, and I'm, I actually help mom study for her test, her, her test and her exam, and she made it to general. So, right, right, great, so great. This, this, yep. this brings up our next subject is expense. And yeah. do we need the big antenna farm that um, oh God, I can't even think of his name. It now. was Art Bell. Art Bell had there in Pahrump. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Well, a lot of it is uh, such that uh, we really don't. Uh, there are so many different choices uh, these days in the ham radio activity that uh, you can just have a little handheld radio, and again, um, transmit far enough to get into a repeater and have it enhance your signal out to a wider area. Um, You can use your phone if you're a ham operator uh, and not even have ham equipment these days and be able to go in through the Internet capabilities and uh, talk to people all over the world um, and uh, so forth as if they're, they're right there have a good friend in um, just outside of Tokyo who actually has uh, been on uh, the Greylock repeater a couple of times through me here. Um, so it, it, it really can go from uh, towers and all kinds of wires and, and uh, so forth to uh, down to very simple, or uh, if you're um, also having to move into an assisted living or other kinds of uh, downsizing to condos or other places, then you can still be on ham radio remotely through other stations or various ways. So it, uh, it's great. All right. We are, awesome. we are going to go to our break. Yes. And <laughs> we'll have more. Um, I've, I've actually learned a lot this morning, and oh, I've been I doing know. this for a year <laughs> and a half. Uh, we're going to go to our break, and then we'll be back with more with uh, Joe Ice, W1HAI, and, and all the th- in, in intricacies and nuances of amateur radio that even I didn't know. So s- <laughs> stick around. You're listening to Ham On on WTBR. I encourage you to listen to so much music. You played that music in the middle of the night. Rock and roll. Gotta hate rock and roll. It's catchy, right? Let's get this party bumping. Sell your mattress and go get the money and then take that money and spend it on music. WTBR. If you've cut the cord and still want to keep in touch with Pittsfield Community Television, 
PCTV Select is now available on Roku and Apple TV. Live press conferences, city meetings, and more are just a click away. Pittsfield Community Television is now available without cable. With PCTV Select, available on Roku and Apple TV. For more details and for download instructions, go to pittsfieldtv.org. Hi, it's Olivia Munn with my shelter pets, Frankie and Chance. Say hi, guys. When I adopted them, I discovered that they both have incredible personalities. Chance's sole purpose in life is to love and to be loved. Frankie is a little bit of a scoundrel and always entertaining. They're a little bit of a lot of things, but they're all pure love. Adopt pure love at theshelterpetproject.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, the Humane Society of the United States, and Maddie's Fund. WTBR radar weather for the Pittsfield area. Winter storm watch in effect from Thursday afternoon through Friday evening. Today, sunny. Much colder with highs in the lower 20s. Northwest wind 10 to 15 miles per hour. Wind chill values as low as 7 below this morning. Tonight, partly cloudy in the evening, then becoming mostly cloudy. Cold with lows around 8 above. Northwest wind 5 to 10 miles per hour. Wind chill values as low as zero. Weather forecasts for WTBRFM are provided by the National Weather Service. Hi, this is Officer Darren Derby with the Pittsfield Police Department. Better weather is around the corner. Expect an increase in the number of pedestrians on walkways, cyclists sharing our roads, and kids playing outside. It is imperative we all pay better attention while driving, walking, running, and cycling. So we need to do our part in keeping everyone safe by adhering to the rules of the road. Wear bright clothing if you are walking or running. If you are driving, please slow down and don't drive while distracted. Pay attention. Let's keep each other safe. This message is brought to you by the Pittsfield Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM. We would be honored if you would join us. WTBR. And we are back on Ham On. And in on the phone, I almost said in the studio. Yeah. Everybody's looking at PCTV. Who's in the studio? Uh, on the phone, Joe Weiss, W1HAI, and we're discussing all the aspects of Ham Radio. Yes, indeed. Uh, by the way, I should say uh, suits that just to be able to add another one to the mix, uh, <laughs> by the way, uh, Jessica. I was just... Um, but uh, the other thing I want to mention and give a plug for about all of these things is the importance of local clubs, including the Northern Berkshire Amateur Radio Club. They do a great job, and uh, that is a wealth of information, contacts, and so forth. So if you're looking for you know, help with uh, taking an exam, looking for help to find more information, um, or uh, you know, need a hand as a, as a new ham or any age of ham, uh, you know, it's it, the clubs are a great way to be able to uh, meet your neighbors and to be able to participate in various ways and learn a great deal about what's going on in the community as well as ham radio at large because great speakers and and uh, great resources are available as well as through the league, of course, the American Radio Relay League uh, assistance there also. Uh, so that that brings us to emergency communications. Ham radio is a big part of emergency communications. Right, exactly. Yep, amateur radio, emergency service, uh, Aries, uh, RACES, uh, the uh, state or city um, 
arm of government that can help the old civil defense uh, kind of concept, um, working with your local emergency planning council, or LEPC, is a very important aspect, which a lot of people may um, not uh, know about that exists in communities, as well as uh, the Medical Reserve Corps, often tied in through your health departments and communities. They, too, go out and uh, provide, um, you know, coordination for flu shots, for, of course, COVID uh, these days, uh, other kinds of health-related <laughs> issues, uh, shelters uh, helping with those in place. So it's great not only to provide radio service, but also to let them know that you're there as a group and entity and how you could uh, participate in these and uh, marathons, walks, uh, various kinds of fundraising activities that go on for various groups who need, uh, you know, communication between point to point. And um, it all helps in an emergency. Um, I was involved in the 2013 uh, Boston Marathon, but I was not in Boston at the time when the bombing happened um, at the finish line. But Hams, who were involved, um, there were 250 of them across the whole 26-mile course, um, they immediately shifted from, obviously, a marathon type of operation and a run to emergency communications and talking and shutting down checkpoints, buses to be re-coordinated, all kinds of aspects. And that was done on a second's notice. But a lot of that is because people were involved in traffic nets before and after that, a lot of people were involved in various kinds of communications to know what kinds of procedures to immediately put in place, and hams were invaluable to pivot from one to the other. And I think we talked off air about this before, but you used the MMRA for the Boston Marathon. That is correct. We use it for that and um, amateur radio emergency service and so forth, and it's a great way of uh, being able to to participate using a series of repeaters, among others in the Boston area, um, all along the route, uh, local repeaters get uh, activated. So it's a great cooperative effort, and we hope it will be back this year. Uh, I think as you plugged a couple of weeks ago at least, uh, around uh, Columbus Day in October. Yes, they're going to redo, yeah, try the Boston Marathon again, and MMRA will be part of that. And, and this this next kind of bullet point is going to segue into next week's guest, which is Rob Makato, KC1KDY, who will be here talking about Skywarn. And Skywarn is actually one of the things that you don't have to be a ham to get into. Mm, and we do no. have a lot of non-hams. There's a few in the back that listen to the show. Um, that can that, let you know we can get that get into Skywarn. Not to take spotlight away from Rob next week, but what about weather communications on amateur radio and reporting weather on amateur radio and Skywarn? Well, let me throw in one bit of history uh, that uh, relates. There is there is a New England weather net where uh, ham operators get on the air Monday through Saturday mornings, any time between 5:30 and 6:30 on the 75-meter uh, band, uh, one of the frequencies. And uh, they're all over the place, uh, not only New England, but Florida and New York and so forth. And uh, they provide uh, weather observations, uh, basically what's going on at their home and their surroundings. Well, that goes back to a meteorologist in Boston at WBZ uh, in the 50s, Don Kent, who some of you might uh, know of that name. And uh, Don 
encourage the beginning of this net, which has been on since the 1950s, continuously, six days a week since that time. And uh, Don was able to set up a receiver at WBZ and listen every morning while he put together his weather forecasts and took some of the observations from that net and used them on the air. Well, Skywarn does the very same thing now tied into the National Weather Service. So we provide a number of, of efforts in regards to what's happening on the ground. And this past summer, I took two tornado uh, funnel up, um, sightings and uh, sent that to uh, Rob uh, Macedo, uh, KD1CY, um, through the uh, ham radio and, uh, and so forth. Uh, in Connecticut because uh, the National Weather Service uh, in Norton covers uh, into Connecticut and parts. Your area there, of course, is through Albany, but the same kind of Skywarn type of operation exists. And even though there are satellites and there are other kinds of ways to get the information, there's no substitute for getting what's happening on the ground, and that's where ham radio and Skywarn operators, who are hams or not, as you indicate, um, can provide that information. The hour goes quick. We have about two minutes left. <laughs> yeah. So any last parting statements or, or email addresses or websites would, that you'd like to put over for our last two minutes? Great. Well, I, I would encourage uh, certainly the um, – the, uh, using your – if you are interested in ham radio, a great thing is if you have a police scanner, you're able to put in the frequencies for the uh, K1FFK or other repeaters – and listen to what we do. I'm a big fan of listening and finding out what the procedures are, what the formula is, uh, before uh, jumping in and uh, saying anything. And um, this is a great way for you to do so if you have a shortwave receiver or other kinds of things uh, to be able to listen around, see what's going on on these little SDR-type devices that are around. So, And, of course, contact the uh, Northern Berkshire Amateur Radio Club or other clubs in your area, investigate that on the Internet or the American Radio Relay League. Thank you, Joe, for being here, W1HAI. It was a very quick, quick hour. And I think we will talk to you tonight on the Heavy Hitters Track. And I love learning about the history, and I love learning about the history, too. Thank you very much. Uh, Jessica and Peter, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me back, and all the best. We'll look for you again. All right, 73, Joe. Thanks for being here. 73. Bye-bye. All right, that was uh, Joe Weiss, uh, W1HAI. With the last two minutes, we're going to go through our programming note real quick. Next mm. week, Rob Macedo will be here yep. from Skywarn, uh, March 3rd. W1DAN will be here. Yep. Um, what else I got going? Uh, March, where's my calendar? I got to do this quickly. March uh, 17th. Sir, Mar- Mar- you have somebody calling in from the greater Los Angeles Well, yeah, district. that's March 17th. But before that, um, we got on March 10th, we have Phil Temples, who is uh, the vice go. director for the New England division. We'll talk to you yes. next week. 73 from the cast of Ham on. 73, 73 everybody. Is-